I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Today, I'm joined by Andrea Wood. Andrea describes herself as a communication leader, but I think she is much more than that, as I'm sure you'll agree after listening to her experience, which is absolutely fascinating. Starting with a role within South Africa, assisting the Nelson Mandela campaign, being in Berlin when the wall came down, to leading multiple organisations through significant change. I'm delighted to introduce Andrea to you now. Okay, well, uh, uh, hi, Andrea. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, You're most welcome. We're right in the middle of the lockdown in the UK, as you know. Yeah. So how's it affected you and uh, how are you getting on? What it's given me is an opportunity to think about uh, my personal health and well-being and um, to do things that I just wouldn't have time for otherwise. I love to sew, I love to cook, um, and uh, I love to write. So it's given me the time to, to do all of those things, no, which um, is really valuable um, to be refreshed and uh, be better and go back into the workplace uh, at a later stage. Yeah, good about I, oneself. yeah I, I think it's very important, isn't it? I th and I think a lot of people that I've been speaking to, as well as organisations that I've been speaking to, it's, it's a time to um, reset and yeah. reflect and then, and, 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 and yes, absolutely survive what's going through, but actually get ready to thrive in the future. And, and that's what a lot of organisations are, uh, are starting to do, and a lot of individuals are doing as well. Yeah, and I, but that is on a very, um, I would say, very sort of selfish or personal level, um, how it's also affected me in terms of the community around me. Um, I live in a, in a, a block of flats, and... Um, and there's not just one block, there's sort of 15 or 16 of them um, in, in the Canary Wharf area. It's sort of, you know, tall building town. Yes. But um, it's to see how um, people have responded um, in this crisis to helping others, um, to being more um, uh, community-minded, um, yes. to being kinder, to finding ways of um, being happy um, and pleasing other people. Um, and for me to find ways where I can help um, other people has yes. been really um, it's been a, a very very positive experience in many ways great uh, and, and hopefully that will carry on as well as we as we as we go back into some whatever normality looks like in the future yeah. um, hopefully this sort of as you say this much more sort of community spirit and community yeah. focus will continue and I think in terms of change and business and Absolutely. what we're talking about today um, I don't think there could be um, you know changes about disruption in business yes it couldn't be anything more ultimate in terms of disruption than this pandemic because it affects everything it's not just about um change to business and the financial aspect of it um it's not just about impacts to markets and how they operate and whether businesses have got enough cash flow to continue or not but it's about people and their genuine well-being yeah. um and it's not just about looking after the well-being of employees um, because a company wants to, or its ethos, it's become mandatory. Absolutely. Um, and they have to accept that. And then it's about um, how we change our ways of working. Um, we have to work online. How does that impact and change um, the processes that the organizations employ? I mean, you couldn't get anything more ultimate. <laughs> in terms of yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, I always talk um, for change to be successful, there has to be a burning platform. 
and there's and there's never been a bigger burning platform than what we're going through at the moment yes the entire building's burning and um how we respond um in terms of leadership and in terms of communication that um is is the ultimate test absolutely but i was keen to get you on the podcast uh because i think your your sort of focus on the communication aspects during change and the taking people through the progress uh, the process of change is good is, is sure surely something that's going to add to the overall conversation of these podcasts so yes. I, was, I was curious but before we sort of get into the detail uh, can yeah. you provide the listeners with a little bit of background on yourself <laughs> um well, I've been in transformation projects and, and working on change programs um, and focusing in on, on excellent communications for about 10 years now. Um, but my interest in change and communications in particular go way, way back. Um, you can probably hear from my accent that I'm, I'm, I'm South African born, although um, I am a British citizen through my parents. Um, and that was an important factor, um, actually, um, whilst living in, in South Africa. I did my... Um, university degree in political science and international law um, and went on further to do a master's in, in communications and negotiation. And that was um, something that helped me in my first role. And my first career choice was as a diplomat, um, working uh, very oddly as a British citizen for the South African Foreign Office. But that was um, very particularly done because um, the South African Foreign Office in the days of apartheid and in the run-up to the 94, um, what they called um, rainbow elections, um, was the first democratic elections in South Africa and the release of Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. And it was decided quite some time, some years before 94, that Mandela would become president of the country um, and that he needed to be released from prison and, um, and boomed. But in that run-up to that process, South Africa needed to reopen all of the, the locked down um, routes of communication that it um, had, had gone through because of apartheid and sanctions. And so there were 20, I think it was 21 of us with foreign nationalities, foreign passports, so we were able to travel, were taken in and trained at the foreign office to go and reopen these, these routes of dialogue. Um, and my particular um, portfolio was um, uh, sport and uh, youth activities and obtaining South Africa's return to the Olympic Games. Um, and amongst other things, um, I ended up spending four years in Germany doing just that, working with the International Olympic Committee and, and the whole um, ethos. And, and I was in Frankfurt at a time when um, the Berlin Wall came down. Right. Um, and so the similarities um, uh, between East Germany yes. um, and their disadvantaged communities, particularly in the areas of sp sport and, 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 and youth um, activities with South Africa's disadvantaged communities were massive. And it was the most incredible time of change um, for an entire country, not just South Africa, but for Germany as well. And that's where my interest in exceptional communication and engagement of audiences um, in the process of change became um, of massive interest and massive importance to me personally. So I, I, I did that, I, I did that, um, you know, that work that you did on that, on, 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 in both of those situations then. Um, what, what were the key things and the key themes that you've, you've taken that's influenced the work that you do today? Um, I think the key things would be um, exceptional communications, making sure that you really understand your audience, uh, making, understand, making yourself um, fully aware of 
um, how people are impacted by the changes around them and how that in, in um, turn impacts the way that they work and how they're able to deliver. And so communications becomes um, the basis of understanding who you're dealing with, how they're impacted by change, um, how the, the results of change will be delivered through that process of, of the people involved with it. Um, and it underpins training, data gathering, research. It underpins um, all of those aspects that are absolutely vital for change. So understanding who it is that you're dealing with and how to communicate <coughs> well with them so that they not only hear the message um, but are able to understand it and act upon it and they're able to provide feedback, data, research, information back into the system. So, and, and I suppose that if there was one key lesson that I learned, and that was communication isn't about speaking, it's about listening. Mm. And so... Well, that, that, that sort of um, the, the, the old adage, isn't it, that you've got two ears and one mouth and, and use them in the in that ratio, absolutely, um, most important thing. So yes, I, I would say that uh, communication and understanding who you're dealing with is, is vital. Okay, and, and, and you know, one of the things that we, we, we talk about quite a lot on these podcasts is just how stressful the whole sort of transformation process can be mm. for everybody who's involved in it. Um, that could be because as you go through change, people don't necessarily like change, they always start to think about what's the impact on, upon me. Um, so what, um, what, what, what role do you think communication can play in relieving that stress? Um, we all talk a lot about um, one of the key factors in change being resistance to that change, um, particularly in the leadership um, uh, arena where people are, are, are thinking up new ways and new strategies uh, for, for dealing with business. Um, I think that change has become the only constant um, in business now. Um, you know, uh, technology, um, the way we communicate, the, the ability and speed with which we are able to communicate um, nowadays um, creates a scenario where change happens very quickly um, and it needs to. So for me, the concept of resistance to change is a little outmoded. I think we need to have um, a balance between um, acceptance of the reality that change is happening and not think about how we can resist it, mm -hmm. but rather a, a, a balance between that acceptance um, and, uh, and confidence to innovate. Um, and that's not just about leadership anymore. It's not about um, preparing leadership to, um, uh, uh, to go through a change. It's about preparing everybody Absolutely. to try and accept and to try and um, uh, come up with new ways of dealing with, uh, uh, with change. And that's where communication comes in. Um, the more information we provide, the more feedback we get in and understand how people are processing that information, um, in a positive way and we're able to support them and underpin their ability to innovate and accept, accept and innovate um, yeah. within change is um, what will help to de-stress. But there's, there's, there is a process, isn't it? I know people call it the change curve, different people call it different things. 
but we can start to predict how people are going to respond to in change input, shall we say, or, or, or events. Um, yes. What, what phases do you think we, uh, you know, what, what are the key phases in your experience and, and, and how, how have people, uh, how do people adapt to those different phases? Um, I think that those key changes are, um, I, I, I developed a, um, a sort of a, a pendulum, <laughs> if you can say, of, uh, of change phases. Um, through my own experience and, and, and my own knowledge of, of change programs that I've gone through in the past. And um, that pendulum goes through a, a series of, of fairly standard, like the change curve and like a lot of, um, you know, you get a lot of textbooks that will talk about change phases that go, um, the, you know, the seven steps to change, etc. But, um, and, and, they're, and they're right, because there are certain um, accepted and, and, and normal phases that we would go through. Um, some of those would be um, acceptance um, of a, a change, um, an item that's going to change, the acceptance of reality, then an understanding of that reality, um, and then um, possibly, and, I, and I'm really simplifying here, because I, I think there would be um, some more um, um, disruptions to those phases and those, yeah. and those processes as we go along. But then um, there would be a period of accepting support, understanding of the, of the situation, why the change is happening, uh, what is the change for, what are the outcomes, what is the vision, and what is that individual's role in helping that um, process to, to be delivered. Um, and then there's a period of confidence where people feel confident. They know I know what my role is. I know what I need to do. I know where we're going. We're, we're achieving something. We're making progress. And that comes to a point where people start to innovate. They're that confident about what they're delivering on a day-to-day -day basis that they're able to think one day ahead, one week ahead, one month ahead. Yeah. Um, and they're able to make um, uh, what I call confident innovations. I suppose, so. presumably, though, people go through that, those phases at different speeds. So how do you, can, can you give me some examples of how you've sort of supported organisations through that and taking people who are going at different speeds through, yeah. through, through that process? I, th I think that's where um, uh, storytelling perhaps comes into play to begin with, where you need to give a, a, um, a reason for change. You need to tell the story, um, give people purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, around um, why they're going through a particular um, uh, uh, process of change. Um, so from a communications point of view, I'll provide them with a narrative. What is that burning platform that we talked about earlier? Why is this happening? Um, what do we hope to achieve with that? And I, and I work really closely with, with leadership um, to be able to develop that story. But then I also work with people on the ground because I want to understand how it's going to impact them and what they think mm -hmm. um, will will occur and we develop a story and some really key messages around um what is the reason for this change um how is it going to impact us how is it going to benefit us and and who's impacted and why and that narrative starts off at a very high level very strategic level but it develops um into a very personal story for um individuals on the ground uh, within a business no matter how big or small the business is develops into a very personal uh, thing that that would be the starting point for me, but that develops into 
um, how do we support these individual roles? Do they need training? Do we need to develop training modules? Is that story about um, big strategic business change um, and operating model change? Is it about cultural change? Um, is it about uh, implementation of a new system, an ERP system? Um, is it just an IT change? Is it about collaboration? Is it about developing um, uh, centers of excellence or setting up a new system of, of, of um, shared services? And all of those things take a, a, a balance of what I call science and sensibility. Yeah. <laughs> um, the sensibility side is, what do people need to know? What do they want to know? Um, what helps them to do their job better? And that develops into the science part of it of, what do they absolutely need to have in terms of tools in uh, communication? Do they need training systems? Do they need um, uh, access to documentation? Do they need to learn how to push new buttons? Um, <coughs> and, and how do we, we control that? And, um, and how do we provide that? I shouldn't say control, that's, that's the wrong word, but how do we provide that and we provide that support? Okay, and, and do you typically work alongside a program director or do you run the programs yourself? I, I, you know, do you work for the organization or, or not the organization, obviously you work within the organization, but do you work on, on the program capacity or on the operational capacity, uh, on the operational side? Um, it's a combination of all of it. Um, um, and what's, what, well, what's, what's yeah. rather than saying do you then, what, what do you find the most effective? What do I find the most effective? Um, I think the most effective is working with a, a program director, somebody that is, um, or a transformation lead, um, if I'm not the transformation lead myself. Yeah. Um, but the, the usual aspect is to have somebody that has an overall helicopter view of what is changing in the business and how it impacts various um, areas. Um, but as far as communication is concerned, it needs to tap into every part of the business. Uh, it needs to tap into um, the board for um, key um, strategic decisions and a key strategic view of where the business is going. It needs to absolutely be involved with operations and how um, um, they roll out their business. I mean, there could be a, um, a, a recent um, example would be I worked with GK in aerospace and they were um, reorganizing their entire business design um, in terms of people in order to become more collaborative. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to, at the same time, um, deploy a lean operating model. Right. Um, two very, very different things. Yeah, I was going to um, say, yeah, absolutely. Two very different messages to, to people on the ground. So um, I needed to have a finger in every pie discussing with HR about um, how that impacted people, talking about talking with finance about how that um, uh, impacted um, their, uh, everything from procurement to um, uh, sales and marketing. Um, how did operation, how was operations affected? Um, and, and, and also talking to uh, the, the, the transformation team and, and being involved with the transformation team from a strategic point of view. Um, so the most effective way um, in, in order to answer your question for me is to work to a transformation directive yeah. but within a very collaborative a business partnering um, uh, mode of operation with each and every um, piece of the business no matter whether they're involved in transformation or not or at what stage of transformation they're in
Um, and very often businesses in, in my experience have come, have asked me to come in and look at a particular work stream. Hmm. Um, and within six weeks, they're going, this isn't working just in a work stream, is it? And I'm going, no, we need to have fingers in, in, in bigger pies. And they've gone, go for it. Yeah, I think, I think that, 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 that is so accurate, isn't it, in terms of um, if you try to run any programme in isolation of the rest of the business, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be cognizant of what's going on. You've got to be cognizant of the issues that the rest of the business are facing. Uh, and there's a sell into the rest of the business of the benefits of this change, whatever the change is, what's the impact upon their part of their business? Yes. And and and, bring, and, and you said bringing the whole organisation on that journey is so important. The, the repercussions of, of a small piece of change in one area, even if it's just sort of, for example, a, a finance implementation. Um, I, I did something like that with Rickard Benkiza. They wanted to implement a new shared services model of a new um, uh, ERP for finance only. Right. Um, and the impact that it had on so many people in 164 markets yeah. worldwide was phenomenal. Um, and yeah, interesting, fantastic, and, and marvelous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, I've been involved in something similar, and and although the change, as you say, relatively straightforward, yeah. um, uh, in in my case was being driven by a technology team that just saw the technology change aspect of it, yeah. um, but they were changing um, the way that uh, they were changing the the procure to pay process. Yeah. And as you say, uh, it wasn't wasn't quite as big as under then whatever number it was, big number that you said in terms of global markets. But this this was um, they, they had uh, eight UK um, based um, facilities, and then a number of European based facilities. And this this technology was um, changing across all twelve areas, and um, and it had absolutely impact on every office uh, and every facility. Because every time they wanted to buy something um, or procure something, they had to go through this this new process. And equally, every supplier, wherever they were in the world, had to adopt this new process. And and for something that was almost, from a technology perspective, a relative relatively simple change, yeah. mushroomed into a significant business business change process change. And, and a massive communication uh, effort required yeah. to make it successful. And it, and it can be mind-blowing um, and so exciting um, and, um, and stressful, um, incredibly stressful. Um, if it's stressful for, for somebody like me who knows what's going to happen with the change, imagine what it's like for those people that are impacted by it. I mean, it's just, um, and, and that's for me, at the heart of, of, of change. Yes, we change um, things in business to make businesses better, to make them smoother, to make them more um, fluid, uh, more adaptable and flexible and, and be able to deliver better results. But um, for me, from a communications perspective, it's the people. And if yeah. you can't take the people along with you um, in a good and positive way, you are never going to be able to deliver um, what you need to um, at the end of it. Yeah. Well, generally, do you, know, is, do, you, do you believe that some of the communication aspects of change 
it's a science or is it just a straightforward methodology? Well, um, what I said before, it's that mixture between science and sensibility. Yeah. It's um, uh, taking common sense about um, how you would deal with people. But at the same time, there is a science and a method um, and, a, and a route to communicating properly. Uh, for me, I always have a look at um, uh, the four key things, what, who, how, and when. Um, and it's what do you want to say? Um, who do you want to say it with? And I'm not saying, and I don't very purposely don't say who do you want to say it to because it's yeah. a communication is two way. Um, and then it's a how. If you understand who you're, to, you, you, you're communicating with, you'll be able to understand the methods that you, that you employ in yeah. order to, to distribute that information and obtain the feedback. And then the when, more important than anything, actually, is when. How proactive can you be? Um, how much information can you provide up front? And so I would say the science lies in that, in right. the, the what, who, how, and when, and the sensibility. Um, uh, for me, it's uh, years and years of um, experience and practice in that. And it's, it's something that the Germans, I learned very quickly while, while spending time in Germany, that it's something to do with the, the feeling in your fingertips. It's called Fingerspitzengefühl. It's <laughs> <Right>, okay. <laughs> My mouthful. But it is. It's, it's something that you can't learn in a book. Right. Interesting. And, and, and how important is uh, messaging through different media? Uh, because people react and respond in different ways, don't they? Whether they hear it, how they feel it, how they see it. And uh, so, what, how, how important is that? Absolutely vital um, to use as many different um, ways of communicating as possible because people have different acceptance levels and yeah. capabilities. Um, they have different tools of uh, receiving information. And again, that was a lesson I learned very, very clearly at, at, at Argos. Um, we, um, how do you communicate with, with 50,000 people to whom you had no direct access and they yeah. don't have access to um, technology per se? Um, an example of the, the route that we used, we thought, hmm, a lot of these people in the, in, the, in the stores are under the age of 30. They're bound to have their own mobile phones. Um, and although we can't just access their mobile phones, why don't we provide them with an app that they right. could choose to download if they wanted to. Um, and we had 5,000 people take it up on the first day. Right. So, you know, um, finding different ways and, and being a bit savvy, um, being a bit um, creative in the way that you communicate, but using as many methods as possible. Absolutely. You can never say things too many times. As long as it's a consistent message. Absolutely. Consistency is key. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, as, again, you know, we've all been in situations, haven't we, where by one part of the business is saying one thing and another saying the other, and suddenly right. you've, you've, you know, you've lost it. You, you, yeah. You've completely lost the whole mandate that you have to drive this change through yeah. because people pick up on inconsistencies so quickly. And that's um, where, when I was talking about um, creating the, the original narrative, those key messages. Um, those are absolutely vital. They need to be brought into, they need to be consistent. They need to be nailed down to um, not only say what it is that you want to say, but they need to be brought into and accepted um, as the key story. And they should be just the one story yeah. for consistency. Yeah. Good. So uh, I ask this question all the time to, to everyone that's involved, but if there's one thing, just sort of one takeaway today, um, for people 
to consider? What, what would you want that to be? Listen, listening. Um, a key executive um, at, a, at a very well-known um, uh, uh, media institution said uh, once, and I will never forget it, um, he said once at a conference, give your people a damn good listening to and then act on what they say. Right. And good. that's what I would say, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Andrea. Uh, I think that was uh, really insightful. Uh, I think I, I, you know we we have different we've had different people on the on the podcast so far with different experiences. Uh, we've not focused as much on communication um, uh, previously, so I think it's a different different perspective. But it's 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 about building all of the building blocks and putting all the all the building blocks together. So yeah. uh, I think that was really really helpful. Um, we do occasionally get some questions coming in. Would you be happy to answer them if, if I collate them? Of course, absolutely. More than happy to to do that. Um, even knows we have enough time. questions. <laughs> ah, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, and um, and uh, hopefully speak to you soon. And you take take care. Once again, that was great, Andrea. Thanks for your time. If you think you have a transformation story that you'd like to share with our audience, please feel free to contact me on the number or email contained in the show notes below. See you in a couple of weeks.